Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. This is Anthony Robbins host of The Reality Is Where Filtering Becomes Extinct. This is Anthony Robbins host of The Reality Is Where Filtering Becomes Extinct. So we give y'all real, real long. <laughs> I've been lying for so long. I've been lying for so long. <laughs> Believe me, I'm probably a porno, pornoologist. We cannot continue to deny women or minorities access to a system that has everything but their input. You are now listening to This is Anthony Roberts, host of The Reality Is, where filtering becomes extinct. And remember, The Reality Is is supported by Blog Talk Radio, the world's largest online talk radio hosting platform. So create your own internet radio show or podcast at blogtalkradio.com. Be sure to check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Blog Talk Radio, and be sure to leave us a rating or a review. We don't care if it's a good review. We don't care if it's a bad review. We just want to hear from you. Also, keep up to date with all things TRI by going to www. TheRealityIs.com, www.TheRealityIs.com. And today, I got two beautiful black women in my home <laughs> to discuss Women's History Month. We have Miss Roderica Ballard, and we have Miss, is it Irena? Irena. Irena? Irena Ferguson. How you ladies doing today? I am great. Tired, but great. I am great. Let me push this mic up just a little bit. Doing well, doing well, doing well. Doing well. You sound just like your husband. Oh, man, that guy. Oh, <laughs> if you don't know who I'm talking about, I don't know what episode it is, but you can go back to whatever episode me and Jason Ferguson. It was an episode featuring Jason. Literally, when you were when you called me on the phone, I was like, this sounds like Jason. Y'all are so meshed and welded together. And that's how Jason talked to me. Y'all man. so we- totally. <laughs> welded together. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. That's him, that guy, that guy. So I was listening to y'all talk before we got on the podcast, and you were talking about was it? It was one of y'all talking about a master's program. I know you have your master's. You have yours? Not yet. I don't have mine, and I'm thinking about it. But it seems like a tedious process. I'm already apply. I applied to Syracuse. Do it, do it. I Man, do it, that. do it. Send me the the essay piece. Do the GRE. In fact, Harvard. See, that's the part right there. The Man, GRE. Harvard Law School just made it so you only have to take the GRE and not the LSAT. So if you want to do law and change lives, go for it. What? Yes. yes. Are you sure? Yes. I promise. Google it. Because I was doing like, uh, the only reason I'm considering not doing it is because when I applied for Syracuse, it was no GRE program. Because of course I'm doing it online. I'm here in Texas. So it was no GRE. I think you have to have, they said, they didn't say you have to have, but the average student is like a 3.6 to 4.2 that enters, enters the program. I had a 3.4. So I was like, they got me all the way in and they was like, hey, we love it. We want to bring you in. They even gave me the free, you know, application fee and everything else. Yeah. And then they sent it over to whoever else they sent it to. And they hit me up last week and said, we got to do the GRE. Now, I got the book. My girl bought me the book. I was like, cool. 
But then I open up the book and I see math. Yeah. And, you and I haven't seen math in three years. You know, it's, it's this, there's Khan, uh, Khan Academy mm-hmm. online oh, yeah, teaches math. Um, and to be honest with you, like the old school days and with the GRE, like yeah. you, you take it. I mean, my sister got into Harvard in the 90s with, with bombing her GRE. Yeah. I got into uh, two graduate programs with not a perfect GRE. Um, a lot of it is the compilation, you know. And well, she my, told me the top yeah. 50%, and I was like, I hope it's 10 people in this class. <laughs> That's what I was thinking to myself. You, the, the biggest thing with the GRE is, at least the GRE, you can learn how to study for it. You yeah. can use the book and everything. They have a new math portion in the last few years. They mm-hmm. did, because I study everything, all things school. So you're talking to the right person. Yeah. That's why I'm asking because so, I heard you talking. Yeah, I was like, she sounds like, like she knows what she's doing. And do it. And and for you, my dear, never pay for a master's in education. Your Somebody master's else will told be free. me that. Your PhD will be free. Education, there's always programs. What about a master's in public relations? Should I be paying for that? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm wondering about that. I do. Pro- I'm a program. I'm a um, program specialist, and on other days, I'm actually the manager for my manager. But I'm thinking. If I'm working for y'all, y'all need to be paying for this. Yeah, but I don't true. I have commitment issues in all aspects of life. <laughs> and to say that I'm gonna let you pay for it and I be here two yeah. to three years afterwards, that's where the issue lies. Cause I'm a free spirit, so it's hard to trap myself right. into something like that, saying, Yeah, I'll be here for three years. I don't no, know. No, it's it's true. It's true. And sometimes you have to look for the job that's gonna pay for it. But I say Education is still very important, though everybody is doing their whole entrepreneurship thing, and you mm-hmm. got you know ten year olds becoming millionaires. It's still important to That's go the depression. traditional route because yeah. you never want to be shut down. Yeah. And my my education at you know uh, both graduate schools has opened doors, yeah. like you know for relationships. That's really what it's about. You're, yeah. you're you're buying into a network. And that's what I was gonna say because I I just posted the other day and I posted both the degrees I have and I said neither one of these jobs have got I mean degrees have gotten me a job. Not one. I got more jobs and more looks when people was hitting me up when I had nothing. But you still got to have the basics. What school teaches you how to do is to learn in a certain way. And what graduate school teaches you how to do is to learn independently and to be rigorous at it and to be a great writer. And you have to have that long term forever. Man, you, it's... It no makes pressure. me kind of... It makes me kind of <laughs> nervous and it makes me question my writing because when I wrote the... Uh, like the, the not a mission statement, the but the entrance. personal statement. Yeah. yeah. So when I wrote my paper, she first of all I let a friend read it, and when she read it, you can burp whatever you want to do. <laughs> I tell people burp. Yeah, yeah. She be on eat I eat ice, drink water, burp, do whatever you want to do. But when I got it, when I let her, I let a friend read it, and she was like, "Well, you used a lot of five cent words when you need to use like five dollar words." And I'm, first of all, I was like, "Who in the hell is she talking to?" But then I was like, "Well, maybe I need to step it up since it's." For the you know a graduate program, and I sent it in, and when I sent it in, they reviewed it, they liked it, and they was like, "Well, we just need you to be like you said, more concise and to the point, be a thorough writer, and not give us all the fluff because we can read through that." So that's something I have to learn to do because I even do it when I converse with people and have conversations. I can talk too much about one thing as opposed to the thing to focus on. I think like I applied for grad school, and I am not good with rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, Me either, and, by the way, and, and I'm a very um, 
impulsive person. Mm-hmm. And so, and sometimes instead of me going for what's for me, I'll try to go like above and beyond. Yeah. And so I remember the, the first way. time I applied, I applied for a PhD program and I was still an undergrad and they denied me. <laughs> and after that, I was like, I'm not applying to any more graduate programs, yeah. like no nothing. But I think now I'm at the point where it's like, okay, you can only be where you are for so long. You have to, um, you have to uh, move on mm. or move forward. Yeah. And now I'm thinking more or considering uh, grad grad school more now. Well, I think, I mean, I definitely want to go. I want to teach later in life. So for me, it's like, and I want to teach on a, on a graduate level or at a college, even if it's a junior college or, you know, like a state university. I don't want to teach high school because I, I want to catch them right when they enter into school, you know, like college. In high school, you have a curriculum that you have to teach. You can maybe slide certain things in, but with college being able to build your curriculum, and if you want to teach a white kid about black stuff, because they ain't learned it at mama's house. So you can literally say, hey, go check this book out. We're going to do an essay over this book. And then they have to read something like about Nat Turner or whatever else to where they learn about these things. You know what I'm saying? So I, it's catching them right there. Well, as a as a teacher mm-hmm. and like coming from the classroom, my perspective is different okay. from yours. Um, and I teach an elective class. So okay. I'm not a core teacher. I don't teach like reading or I mean like English or science. Not saying that what I teach is not as relevant or as important as yeah. them, but I prefer what I teach because I'm able to include those things, like what you just said. Right, so like up. today in class, um, I teach child development, and so we're talking about the emotional needs of parents. And today I showed um, a video or a documentary, rather, on Netflix, and it was called Babies Behind Bars. Mm-hmm. And so my students were able to see the perspective of some women don't get the opportunity to go into a hospital, give labor, and enjoy spending time sure. on watching their child, you know, be yeah. born and then raise um, the perspective of them seeing that what your mother went through, another mother is going through the total opposite thing. Of that, yeah. She has to deal with the whole stress and, you know, depression and all of these other emotional things of that we don't in talk 24 about in hours, I have to give my baby up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I may not ever see my baby again. I don't know who my baby's going to because my mother has my other five children, you yeah. know? And so in that class or in that space, I'm able to, teach my students the things that they need so that when they get to college, they have those things. And I think um, it's important that, I think, honestly, it's one of those things where it's like you have to be politically correct. But have you ever noticed when you talk to like a group of professionals, especially black professionals, if you're a teacher, they, like we really champion teachers. And I think they want more black teachers because not to be funny, she's thinking outside the box to even teach that way. Mm-hmm. Not trying to knock white teachers, because I'm sure it's some white teacher out there that's like, hey, let me teach outside the box. But I think with us, we automatically, or I know it, at least the people I've talked to and even myself, we try to teach other races or other people different things because our upbringings are normally different right. and tougher than a lot of other, you know, races. Like, and, and, you know, we could probably relate to, like, Hispanics, and Hispanics can relate to us in certain. But, like, I don't know no white person that I can relate to or that can relate to me in reference to the upbringing. So to go in and teach the core curriculum and then slide in real life stuff, they need that. They need that. So I wanted to, I brought you, uh, you ladies in, I was going to say you guys in, you ladies in (laughs) to talk about women's history month and what it's like being a woman. One of my first, one of my thoughts I I wanted to ask you guys was how do you hold up? um, How do you uphold a great sense of self value and self worth in a society that gives women so much to live up to? And with uh, social media, some social media, sometimes you guys have an unrealistic expectation to live up to. Either one of you can take it. But like, how do you feel like how do you keep that sense of self and value for yourself when p- 
people are almost being applauded to degrade themselves or sell themselves short, being naked on social media and so on and so forth. <laughs> Either one of y'all can take it. For for me, I'm very cautious mm-hmm. of who I allow in my space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very cautious of the things that I do just as a person, even before thinking of myself as a woman, just mm-hmm. as a person. Um, and so I don't think I've actually sat down and thought like, you know, what does someone think of me or will they degrade me and things like that? Because I have a self-respect for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to do with one, your upbringing. And even with social media, if I don't know you, then I'm not going to allow you to follow me. Like I'm not going to follow you. Yeah. Um, because I know that people can be very malicious and very mean. Even when I just think of celebrity, like things that I read, and you can post something very simple and someone can take it into a whole nother context. So for me, I just have to be very sensitive about who I allow in my space and then, um, what I think of myself. So how do you get to a point of feeling positive, like your self-worth? How do you feel like you create that's outside of like not allowing certain things in once you block everything from getting in when it's just you still though, like whether it's meditation or reading a book, how do you create self-worth and keep yourself in a place to where you feel like, okay, I don't have to look like that girl on social media to know that I'm still beautiful and that I deserve, you know, what I deserve from the working world, from a man, so on and so forth. I journal. I do a lot of journaling. I I like to read a lot of books, not, not necessarily like self-help books, but I like to read a lot of books. Um, journaling journaling for mm-hmm. me is really big. I like to do yoga as well, just kind of releasing my my mind and my thoughts and things. So those are some things that help me that are very therapeutic. Does yoga actually work? I'm not flexible, so I'm not me. about to go embarrass myself. Yoga. Yeah, it, it works for me. I enjoy it. Um, I started yoga in college. I don't do it as often as I think that I should. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> at one point, I did have a, a problem with like anger. Yeah. And I started yoga, and it... I was like Change a totally different person. Like your space is really like, seriously, your space is really different. And right. mm-hmm. until someone told me like, you seem different. I didn't realize what it was. And I'm like, maybe it is yoga. I don't know. Yeah. But I think that it, it, it was the, the yoga. And then just having that time to just meditate and just become blank for like a minute or so. Like yeah. you don't have to think about anything. You mm-hmm. basically are relaxing because your mind is constantly like thinking, I know when I go to sleep at night, I'm thinking like I can't even oh, go, to, go to sleep. Because but it's hard not. Break. It's hard not to think. I, I got a video. Somebody sent me a video like a year and a half ago, and it was just a video of like a beach and the waves crashing, and it was like take two minutes out of your day. And it's like soon as I close my eyes, push play, my phone vibrated, and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna look. But it's like you want to look immediately, mm-hmm. and it's so crazy how much so many things are pulling at our attention. And we don't realize we don't take time for ourselves. So how do you, outside of your husband and that beautiful family, how do you keep your self-worth and yourself? How do you, you know, how do you get to that place of peace with your value and your you self-worth? You know what? I think it is, it's level to level. Mm-hmm. If I think about, I mean, I just cannot believe a few years I'll be 40. Like, oh, my God, I was just all right. You know, I was just like, <laughs> and your you know, still in my tight. 20s, it's crazy. And so, but when I think about, when I tell people about Irena, mm-hmm. I have to say, and I talk about myself, I have to say I've been the same since I was 10 years old. And so I think a lot of the stuff that we see for women um, that can be viewed as positive or negative starts in childhood. And for me, I just had that standard. Like, I I tell people all the time, even young women that I mentor, I said, you may be annoyed that I'm a bit 
of a snob. Yeah. But you'll appreciate it one day because yeah. it's called a standard and you need to be particular about yeah. the people in your space and everything. And so I think it starts with like your childhood and having role models and you know my mom like my mom was not dropping like it was hot she was just she's just <laughs> the sweetest thing and so that helped a yeah. lot um and then just having just like you know my grandmother just having that standard of understanding that basic thing but as i evolved as a woman because i have three girls mm-hmm. and the thing that scares me the most about my girls is someone being in their space and devaluing them and hurting them and the first time that that happens, I'm going to run to them. And yeah. I'm going to try not to go get a gun. And then the second <laughs> thing I'm going to do is to remind them that every time that happens, whether it's like verbally, physically, sexually, um, those things that happen, like I, I want to just, just remind them of that no, coming back to the space of knowing who you are. You and know, from that. a spiritual standpoint and from just you just knowing who you are. Because it happens and it's going to happen because it's life. And we can't live in a bubble. And so I think for me, just over the years, I've just had to come back to that person of knowing who I am, having that standard and that desire to just, like, keep that level of peace. And I think at a certain age, like... Like after thirty, you're just like, this is me. Yeah. Just take it or leave it. I think Be thirty. Okay. I think thirty does that to people. I, you know, I, it's it does just that. one of them. Yeah. I have something to look forward to. Yeah. How old are you? <laughs> you, do, you do. How old are you? Yeah. I'll be 28 in August. I'm 27. It's okay. a good. The 20s yeah. still are a good. Yeah, time. it's still a good time. But it's like when when I, when 30 hit, I was just like, for what? This is me. Yeah. Why? This I, is me. I, I don't care. Like, you know, when you were like in high school and you see that dude going to the liquor store, or he walking around Walmart with jogging pants on, white socks, maybe no socks. And, and you're like, what? He reached that point in life where he was like, I just want to come get these chips. I'm not worrying about what my hair look like or who I'm going to see. I want to get to that. I'm not to that point yet. Yeah. Because yeah. that's like old uncle status. Man. But I, I want to get to that point. When I was looking at interviewing you guys and talking to you guys, I'll be honest. I'm scared to say this because you have so many people who are like feminists and they say misogyny, whatever. And I was like, what do I ask them? I'm not a woman. And a lot of times men, as you guys know, we don't really take a lot of time to hear women. Mm -hmm. We don't take a lot of time to really hear them, understand them and find out what it is that makes them tick and what makes them happy. And I was listening uh, to an interview with Michelle Obama from the United States of Women's uh, Conference last year. And she said, our first job in life as women is to get to know ourselves. Mm. What's the benefit of uh, finding you first before anything else, before a career, before love and marriage? Because a lot of people don't know who they are before they bring other people into that space. So for you to maybe you're going through it now, but how do you define like finding yourself or how did you find yourself or what's the process of getting to that point? You know what? You know, I tell people all the time, if you don't know who you are, somebody will tell you who you are. And then they will take you through through the ringer of telling you who you are. And then somehow you will have to find yourself in that space. And so for me, like, especially being married, I tell people, I'm like, no, you got to know who you are, Mm -hmm. like at your core, like everything, because not that like it's an intentional thing, but it happens as you morph together and you have these differences. Jason will tell you as things that we are alike, we were like, yeah, that's cool that he see that because a lot of things that we're different on, politics, (laughs) you know, like a lot of things that we're different on, like a lot of different things we're just like, you ain't with Ben Carson now, are you? You know, like, no, 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 Okay, I'm 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 about to give you a one-way ticket about this house. No, we're the same on politics now. We're the same on politics now. Okay. But before, before politics got tricky, Yeah. it's tricky, (laughs) tricky, tricky, before it got tricky, tricky, Trump, you know, then we were, but you know, because it's cute, it was cute before to be different. Yeah. 
like, yeah, baby, you know, I'm conservative. Yeah, baby, I'm this. Yeah. yeah. So that was cute. <laughs> but now we are all aligned. Trust me. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, I think you, you need to know who you are and you need to come back to yourself and be okay with having that standard. Like not, not let people tell you quick example. Um, I came home from this YouTube event. And they were talking in L.A. and they were talking about, you know, how women aren't paid the same salaries in Hollywood and all these things. And, and though I went to like a super liberal grad school and they were all womanists and feminists and this and that, I didn't grab a hold of what other people thought that I should do around those things because I just felt like be, being the parent of a special needs child and advocacy, first of all, I try very hard, even with this, you know, 45 thing. We call him 45. I don't even say his name. Even with this 45 thing, I don't, I refuse to let anyone take me to a place of anger and, yeah. and fury. Anyone, whether yeah. it's my children, whether it's somebody, whatever it is. And so, because if, when you start to stand on those things, you lose the opportunity, one, to learn, to grow, and mm -hmm. to love. And so I have to, I'm very careful of that. So at the end of the day, I had plenty of points in my life to just be like, oh, you're being sexist, or oh, you're being this, or oh, you're being that. It wasn't until last year in L.A., and I came home, and I'm like, Jason, women aren't paid the same salaries. Like, I woke up. Yeah. I, I woke. I was woke, you know? Do you and, think that black women are paid less than white women? <clears throat> hmm. That's a good study. Did you have something to say? You, was that intentional? No, it wasn't intentional. Oh, okay. It just it was right on cue, though. Yeah, what, what I think it depends on um, your career and what area um, what area you're in. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that in all careers, Caucasian women are paid more than African-American women, but I think that in some they are. I think it's so funny because, well, neither of you grew up in the South, right? No. No. Uh, I grew up in East St. Louis. Yeah, St. Louis and Chicago. And, and um, I grew up in Chicago, but I lived on the East Coast for nine years. Okay. So the way you view, and, and, it's, and the reason I ask that is because the way most Northerners and East, mm -hmm. you know, East, they view racism a little different. Yeah. Like they are educated on it, but they view it differently because they haven't been treated or raised around the way we've been right. raised around it. In the South. So it's always interesting to hear people's perspective because for me being from the South, I would automatically would have just been like, yeah, they do. I think they do. Even if I had never seen statistics showing mm -hmm. that, I'd be like, yeah, most definitely they do. I probably make less than a white woman. No, stop it. So stop just, it. No. Jesus, God, what is the world coming to? You, you know, watch, yeah. get out this weekend, brother. You don't see, get out. You you I haven't, but I want to see that. Yeah, have you I seen it? It's a really, I'm going to go see so we're it again. Okay, so we're going to go tomorrow. We've been trying to get there for like two weeks. You can. T I'm not a. I'm not a. I tell people all the time. If you want to say something and tell me something, you can do it because I'm still gonna watch it because I'm gonna see it from a different light. I'm not gonna say don't watch it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really big on like reading news articles and things, and I think that that was my mistake before I went to go see the movie. Mm -hmm. I think you you should just get the whole genuine feel of the movie. Also, first. you read like the write ups about it. Yes, oh, I read okay. like different perspectives yeah. and things you should look for in the movie, and so that took my. That took my attention off of really seeing Certain, yeah. what the movie was about, and so I'm going to go see it again. It's kind of like you go in skeptical or something. I wasn't skeptical. Okay. I wasn't skeptical, but it was good for me to kind of see different uh, perspectives. Like one article that I read was from um, an Asian-American mm -hmm. guy, and he spoke specifically about the Asian man that was in the movie. And then after I read it and I watched the movie... I was like, it was really good for me to be able to read that because I paid more attention to the so that, Asian guy yeah, in the movie. As opposed to so. looking over him. That makes sense. I never, I never, I don't know. I just like to gather my own opinion. And yeah. you still get to do that yeah. with that. But like you said, you paid attention to something different. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it, but I heard a lot of white folks was mad about it. I, I, I don't I'm know afraid. why. I'm afraid. 
afraid to see it. And oh, so you haven't seen it? I, I won't see it living in Texas. I won't. What you I mean will you won't not. see it? It's not one of... It's, I think people put too much on that movie. It's not like a... Like the documentary Thirteen is nothing like that. Yeah, it's it's a real movie. Yeah, it's it's what happens, and we don't realize it's happening type mm-hmm. of movie. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it becomes a horror movie. What do you mean? But you said you wouldn't bad. see it in Texas. You know, and it's and it's deep. It's deep. You know, and and I can say this. Oh my God, this is public. This will be out there. People <laughs> listen to it. So I have to think that first. But I'll how believe do your I say name this? if you need I, me to. I live in no no. I live in you know. We moved from Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I told Jay. I said, you know, I'd be like. I was like, you know, I'm excited that your job is has the opportunity to go here, but I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to tell you just straight up, because I've lived <laughs> on the East Coast, you know, all down the East Coast. I've lived in New York, Connecticut, Boston, you know, and I lived in the Midwest, only went back to Chicago for one year, yeah. and, you know, after moving away 14 years ago now, I was only there one year, and then lived in L.A. for three years, and I said, babe, in Los Angeles, California, as long as you don't wear these two colors, this is the freest place you will ever feel as a black man. Well, you were it's in Los Angeles, I finna say, because I was. Somebody told me that too. I think I had California. On blue. Yeah. I had on blue, and I think I was in San Diego. My homeboy was like, "Well, you're on the white side of town, so you're all right." He's like, "But but don't do that. Don't in LA. Don't, don't 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 wear that over there." And I was like, "Damn!" And it's, it's again being here. It's like mm-hmm. gangs are big in L.A. Gangs are big in Chicago. They man ain't nothing here. <laughs> Don't Texas tell alone. me I don't alone. know no color. We I ain't dedicated to nothing but Texas ourselves. Alone. I still I still love the D though. I still love the D. Man. But 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 you know, I told him that. So saying all that being said, I felt like there's a certain posture that I automatically have to take to stay alive. Mm-hmm. To stay alive everywhere here. Um and it's humbling <laughs> because I don't know I don't necessarily know that I like needed the humility, but yeah. it did it. Um because, you know, each time I open my mouth each time I turn left or turn right, I have to think about that and think about that for my children yeah. and my family and my husband. That being said, I have to create a certain mind space and I just can't do it yeah. because I, I, I require a certain level of like, you know, gangster productivity. Yeah. Like I said, I had like three things happening today, yeah. you know, like, and so I had to make sure that I was on point for those. So I love, I would, I would love to see it. And maybe over the summer, if we like summer somewhere yeah. or maybe, if when we move or we spend like a month away, but I just I can't do it. I'm gonna check like, it out. I, I can't be triggered. I will not be triggered. I'm gonna have to check it out. I I, I, just, I can see that. Yeah. Um, I'm like that with a lot of movies, and and this just goes back to my space. Um, like the videos when they show, show African American men getting killed, I never watch those. Yeah. Ever. Oh, I'm the same way about slave movies. Yeah. I feel like it, it messes yeah, with true. your psyche. Yeah. And, and or like kids getting abused or something. Yeah. You can't watch that. That will, that will change like the way you beat. feel about yeah. people. And like we were saying earlier about your space, like I don't want to have to go there. Yeah. So I just rather not even know that it exists or watch it or. <laughs> yeah. Any of those things, but you are still saying I should go see Get Out. I'm, I'm definitely. Is it any kind of? Is it? Is it any kind of comedy in it? Is it? It is. Okay. It's. It's. It has some comedy pieces. Um, I think it's a mixture of things. It's to me, it's a mixture of of things in that movie. They have comedy. It's some, um, pieces in the movie where you're like, oh man, and then it's some pieces of the movie you like you better run you better go <laughs> uh-uh. black people can't that. die in this movie type of I thing you know it. <laughs> so it's the, you have a lot it was very uh well written mm-hmm. by him um i think it's probably one of the best 
films that I've seen by a, by a black man or just by a black person. Period. I think it is a really good movie. It's yeah, and especially at the beginning of the year, yeah. I think it's a good movie. So with all of us being black, I think we've already established that. If the listeners <laughs> don't true. know, and it's I always true. tell the list, I always try, I always really say funny things like that because maybe it switched now. But before we got on Blog Talk, most of my listenership was seventy percent white people. Mm-hmm. which I am surprised because we don't talk about nothing. <laughs> but I mean, we talk about everything, but it's, of course, it's always from a black perspective. You know what I'm saying? But I was thinking to you guys, I was like, when I'm at work, I always think about how I'm trying to move as a black man, not to be looked at as an angry black man or not to be looked at as a, a man, a black man to fear, which they do anyway. So move to Cali, yeah. baby. You're going to be so free. You're going to call me. You're going to be on the beach. I, we've you're going to be like, hey, it's yeah. me. You're going to be on the beach. You're going to be like, we've been I the thought last three only four years. heaven was freedom, yeah. but I moved to California. Yeah. I've been, we've been the last three or four years, and every time I go, I tell her, I'm like, I don't know if I'm coming back. If we go back, we'll take you. Because okay. I'm like, I, once I, I'm <laughs> we won't let you go without us. <laughs> we won't let you go without us. Yeah. It's, have you ever been? I have. Okay. I've been to L.A. Yeah. I, I mean, I like it. It's a great place to be. And like you say, you do feel free as opposed to like being here. And that's one of the things I recognize when I went to California. When I'm here, when I go to the gym and work out, I'm always getting stared at. Mm-hmm. Or somebody will be like, who you play for? Mm-hmm. I was getting Subway yeah. the other day and this yeah. black dude was like, <laughs> go ahead. That's So what you just said yeah. is what's brought out in the movie. Okay. Like a lot of Stereotypes, stereotypes and things like that yeah and that's why i say i want to go see it because i always get that and it's like when i go to california and i'm at the gym don't nobody look at me don't nobody care about me i'm probably one million two hundred and fifty on the list of good looking dudes there ain't nobody checking for me so it's like to be there is awesome and, the, and my question for you guys was like being black and being in this skin and working in corporate and working different jobs do you feel like it's sometimes where you can't be yourself or you can't do certain things so you're not labeled an angry black woman or you know, with by black people, you could be labeled, oh, she thinks she's better than somebody. It's so many labels I feel like women have to try to dodge from them, sticking to them. And even in a moment, like you said, you talk to uh, uh, somebody you mentor and you may be like, oh, I may be seem uppity now or hasidity or whatever the word you use. But you will understand and you'll appreciate this later. But it's like, how do you just continue to do that regardless of what people label you? I, I, can I start that? Yeah, one? please do. Please <laughs> do. For me, it started when I was in high school, and um, in, in the state of Illinois, I got a scholarship, and I could attend any school in the state of Illinois. It was like a thousand applicants. Out of that thousand applicants, they chose a hundred people. I was one of the hundred people. Mm-hmm. I'm from a really small town, but our crime rate is really high, and so for me to get that scholarship, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, like." You can show off for us now, you yeah. know. You from the city, you going up here with these people. And I didn't know what it was gonna be like until I got there. And we had a diversity class. And I'll never forget it was like us against them. Black Every, against white? Black against okay. white. Every time. Because you're talking about people who are going into education. Um, and with this program, these teachers that they're recruiting or future teachers that they're recruiting are going to go into these communities where you have little black girls and little black boys who don't have anything. Yeah. And so um, I've, I felt like I've always been that black dot on a white sheet, but I've always been myself. Because yeah. if you don't know who you are, then you start to conform. And I'm like, y'all are going to be teaching my nieces and nephews, and so I'm going to be myself yeah. because I want you to know what you're going to get when you get into these communities. Hold this. Black dot on a white sheet, that may be the name of this, talk, this podcast. Don't forget that. I do this <laughs> I all that. the time through every podcast. I wait for somebody to say something. I'm like, this is going to be the podcast. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So um, I've always been myself. Like, 
no matter where I am. And I don't know why, but they they like me being myself. Yeah. And I feel like if I was to be other than anything other, other than, than myself, yeah. then I'm doing a disservice to me and True. I'm doing a disservice to the people that I work with because now I'm acting like something that I'm not. And it's that's it's hard for me to do that. Very hard. I am a I'm a very open person. I'm a very forward person. I think I'm very outgoing. Yeah. And so if I try to be something that I'm not, it's hard for me. Like this morning, I'll tell y'all. I was like, oh, I'm going to do the podcast, so I got to have my stuff looking together, so I wash my hair, and I have natural hair. Yeah. And so uh, when I went to work this morning, I don't have a first period class, so I was like, oh, I'm going to flat iron my hair in my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the girl that's next door, the teacher that's next door to me, she's a young Caucasian, she's a young white lady. And so I told her, I was like, oh, if you smell something that, that's burning, I'm like, it's my hair. <laughs> and um, she came over and she watched me. And I'm like, this is black girl problems, like black yeah. teacher problems. Yeah. I'm about to show you. And I fly iron my hair. She was just so amazed. Oh, they, I, they <laughs> always are. Like, oh, my gosh. She's, she's like, it's just so unique. I was like, what do you mean by unique? Like, what does that mean? Just yeah. say what you Explain mean. Explain it, you know? yeah. And so she was just looking at it, and I walked over to her class, and it was some black girls. And I was like, you can feel it. And she, like, patted it like I was a dog. I'm like, no, put your hands, hands in and, like, yeah. rub it. Yeah. And she was like, I thought it would be coarse. I'm like, oh, what are you trying to say? Like, I make jokes <laughs> yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, I do the same um, thing. But I have to be myself. Yeah. I, you know, I have to be myself, and especially in education, I've worked in majority either African-American or Hispanic communities. And so my students enjoy me being myself because, like, at the, when I first moved to Texas, I was one of three black people in the building. Everyone else was white. Yeah. And so my students had to look for someone. So I have to be myself, you know. But I also sure. think that it's the, it, de- it really depends on, it goes back to it depends on what career you're in or what space you're in. Um, I don't feel like I'm judged. I'm, I may be judged, but mm-hmm. that's not something that I think about. You are. You just don't know it. I'm not. I'm not there. And that's for good. Them. Yeah. And so that's you know, and that's, that's fine with me. Like I'm not here for y'all. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even if y'all are judging me, I'm still doing my job. Yeah. I'm here for the kids. I'm not here for you all. I know you've went through something. I've been through some things, you know, and I think that has shaped my personality. Yeah. Um, so in terms regards to Dallas and Texas and stuff like that, I just I see this as a season. And even if it becomes a permanent season, maybe I'll evolve in a different way. What it has taught me, and then I'll, I'll sort of like loop back around to my experiences. But what this season has taught me is to confront my own stuff, my own biases. Like, I have, like, biases around, you know, there was one particular group that I said I would never live around, yeah. you know, and I don't live around them, like, right now, but yeah. the fact that they're even, like, 20 or 30 minutes, you know, outside yeah. of me, it's like, I would never do that, and they're they, they not black, you yeah. know, and they're and they not rich, yeah. okay, so we'll just, just go there. <laughs> White <laughs> uh, Let's just go, <laughs> let's just go there, so they're not, <laughs> they're not, and so at the end of the day, I was like, I'm just not doing that, yeah. I'm just, that's just, I'm just, I don't want to be around these people, these are the people on the movies who do things, I don't want to be around anything, pick, pick up trucks i don't yeah. want to do anything and i just don't have to deal with you i yeah. just don't I know what and you as a christian oh yeah because you out in uh honky tonk land yeah we, we're in the country <laughs> yeah when you know? told me mansfield i said oh shit. we're in the country you know i hope and... i don't offend nobody by cussing you say being yourself i've been <laughs> no, whole, no, no, like my good. lips oh, are burning no, yeah. okay no, thank no, you shit. I, I, I swear on tuesday I swear up but uh but no it's true so but it helped me because it helped me to love yeah. and it helped me when i'm dealing with people with stretch pants and i still refuse to go to a certain store that yeah. if i say the name my husband will kill me so i don't go to a certain store yeah. i go to the other store yeah um and so and i just 
because I just feel like I just certain experiences I don't want to have yeah. and I don't want to have to deal with. So I'm walking in love, but I ain't walking in love well, like that. Yeah. I ain't going to that store. <laughs> oh, because that's what they at. So at the end of the day, I first had to start with that because that's where I am in terms of evolving. But on the East Coast, you know, not having gone to boarding school, I went to a private school, went to a state school for undergrad. Um, you know, people can shun, shun upon that, yeah, you know, true. like, uh, you know, my family was, was middle class, but we weren't like, you know, the elite. I didn't have this, you know, boarding school experience. My sister went to Ivy, so that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to brag on her, you know, okay, so what about your family? Oh, my sister was a page in Congress yeah. and she went to Brown and she chose that. Well, she went to school with the Kennedy son, you know, I the one that, that passed away. You. So, you know, I can say that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I can say that. But again, Brown on the tier of Ivy's is the lowest Ivy. Yeah. Right, right. So let's just, because what is it? You know, it's, it's like what exactly. is it like Harvard and it's, Yale. it's like yeah, yeah it's like Harvard and Yale Princeton. and Princeton and then Columbia, of course there's right? others like Dartmouth and yeah. Columbia yeah but Brown is a great school it's yeah. an amazing school but again people have their own levels they're gonna always find a way to separate you and even that, in, even in my alumni group right sucks, now man. because I went to grad school for at an Ivy instead of undergrad yeah. it's an elitist thing I know my place yeah you know and so it still is at the end of the day you have to know who you are on every end but and but the saddest thing that is hard for me is that even when people know your story and they know your life I am always shocked at um, us yeah other yeah. people of color or other people well, my who question don't, coming who, up who, was gonna be that. who question who mean who bully yeah. I've been bullied by my I people. think black elitists are the worst yes. Man. they are the worst yeah. and I discovered a lot of them here in Dallas there is a lot. There is a population of $30,000 millionaires here who think they're doing something mm-hmm. and they will treat you a certain way or you may get in, but they'll look at your friends a certain way. And it's like, and oh, okay, they house only $300,000. Yeah. Measure that against the fourth generation, yeah. you know, for real black elites yeah. on the East Coast. Get over yourself. Yeah. Come on. I know your lineage. Yeah. I know your mama came yeah. from. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know your mama was just on the... You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever encounter one of them, bring yeah. them to me. Man, I Because I'll speak them. of yeah. five families and if they're not a part of those families yeah. from the East, they're not then, yeah, nothing. So, yeah. so stop it already. <laughs> and that's the crazy part. Yeah, because I, when I got... As I really, when I got over 30 and I really started... I don't think I've ever been professional in a sense of like corporate. That's why I'm no longer there. But it's like black. I just I've met some white people and I've seen even with white people with money and you don't have it. Even being a black person, I've ran across people where I'm invited to houses and I'm like, this is a house like you could fit a million of these in there. So it's like when you go there and they're still at least like, hey, come on in. Did you get something to eat? Whatever. whatever. But black people is every black elitist. I felt like I saw it was kind of like. Oh, uh, what can I do for you? How can I do this? This, 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 and this. No, and no, it's no, no, and no. it's and it's a couple type of black people. So you ever go to an event and you thought you were going to be the only black person, and you get in there and it's another one. Don't say nothing. Just peek them. Just watch. And I know you got this. You will watch and you will say if they don't look at you and give you eye contact and either make their way towards you or go greet you then they're the type of black person who was mad that you were there because they wanted to be yeah. the only one. Believe me. Peep, oh, peep my gang. God. Come on. Get out. Just, this we, is all we, get we, out. We, 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 go see it. Just go see <laughs> it. Like, you like to go see go it. Go see it. I literally did a podcast. I think it was episode really? 76. <laughs> they petty. With Pluto Cash. Like, yeah. And it was called The Biggest Dick in the Room. And that's <laughs> that's the man perspective of it. Like, you want to drive? Oh, you you driving a Beamer? How can I get that? And you got people that'll be like, oh, nah, you know, they don't want you to know anything. Yeah. Or like you say, if they see you somewhere <laughs> where they would love to be, but they're not, it's kind of like, how you get there? Who you know? At every person, I want them to, 
first of all, the people that I mentor, I, I expect them. And this is for children, too. When you have children, if you have children, you, you expect them to be better than you. Yeah. You're ready for that moment where you can do the pass off. You want them to do that. So that takes away that inch of jealousy that want, will want you to keep them at a mediocre level so that they won't outshine you. Mm -hmm. My goal is to have you to outshine. I'm mentoring a girl now. I'm paying her basically to mentor her. She's not doing much work, you know, no. because I, I want her to succeed so well. And I want her to get something out of this four to five week experience yeah. so bad. And I, I want that for her. I want to change her life. So that should be your mission when you encounter people because that's the love walk. You know, how mm. can I make you better? Right. How can I sew into you? And everybody doesn't have that. Everybody got their own sort of insecurities. And yeah. and so I think that's really any color at all. So to bring it back to around what you said, that for me with the, the whole race thing here is just like like I'm almost like call my white friends on the <laughs> East Coast and they go handle you. you. I, I look I look over my shoulder and be like, I can get somebody to handle my lightweight. Just stop it. <laughs> so I don't even do racism here like that. It's less it's dangerous. The thing about racism, and I feel like in Texas, is that it's your life. Yeah. People in other parts of the country, they ain't trying to kill you. Yeah. Unless you in like a small... Nobody really trying like, to murder it, yeah. you. It's your they, life here. It's your life. And it's like, for what? And I think for that's what? why movies like... That's why I think racist movies are even talking about race. Like, I've been telling people as of late, I'm so tired of talking about race and racism because as a black person being in the South, like you said, it is your life. Right. Yeah. It's white people's lives and they force that shit on us. And you got some black people, that's all they see. And it's like... Man, can he just tell her? I, I love a race joke. I like, like you said, I got white friends where it's like we'll say things that implies certain mm -hmm. things about being white and black, but we get it and we cool with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But you could do that in front of other people. And it's kind of like, what? Like, what kind of... Mm -hmm. Man, I don't take any... Unless you come out and call me a nigga and I hear force behind your mouth right. and that ER on the end, because oh. I don't care what nobody say, no old person, middle-aged person. If It's a different from saying nigga and nigger. <laughs> Keep the ER off of that. I have two things. That's in my opinion. Um, this goes back to the whole black and white and, you know, I'm going to say black women, I feel not supporting like other black women. My first mentor in college was the, a white lady. She was the dean of the college of education and she gave me my first job on campus. And I got, I got to school, you know, and I was looking for jobs. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to have you to work for me. Mm -hmm. And throughout my entire college career, she always encouraged me. Like, I know that you will be a, a great teacher and all these things. And that's not to um, put down any of the other people that supported me in college, but she was the first. And like I was saying, I was telling you earlier, when I came from my small town, Going to Chicago was totally different. The The people are different. Um, the respect is different there. And I would, like, hold doors open, and I say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, because that's how I was raised. Yeah. And they're looking at me like, you know, what's wrong with her? Why is she doing that? And I would try to talk to women of color, and they just, you know, okay, well, here you go. Welcome welcome here. You got to figure it on your own. And this lady don't know me from a can of paint. She was like, I'm going to take you under my wing. You go work for the College of Education. And that was my first job on campus. And, and it was a white, was a white woman. woman. And that's what and I was going to say. Yeah. So, and, yeah, and that's dope because, I mean, that's what I always say. And I, and I hate because you got some black people where we'll say, well, not all white people are racist. And they'll be like, well, we ain't talking about we, we, we need to say that mm -hmm. sometimes because 
white people get too much blame as yeah. a whole sometimes. It's true. And, and then sometimes I feel like as black people, I ain't going to be the person to be like, oh, black on black crime. We can't talk. No, I ain't going to do that. Right. But I will say we have to look at ourselves as a whole, not even about killing each other, but empowering ourselves, yeah, how, we treat each other. how we treat each other, how our men treat our women, how the women treat the men and being able to have that relationship and understanding, which leads me to my next question for you guys. How important I know how important it is as a man to have a father in the household, which I didn't growing up. But I don't know if either of you both had your fathers and your mother together or just separate, but they still had a relationship. But for women, how important is it to have a father growing up? For for me, it was um, it was very important. My mother had me when she was 16. Mm-hmm. So my mother was a teen mom. Um, my father was not the best guy. You know, he was in and out of jail, gang activity, drug mm-hmm. activity. But I we still I still had a relationship with him. Yeah. My mother met my stepfather when I was two, and he was in my life up until now. Yeah. But my grandfather also played a very important role in my life and um, how I should be treated and my uncles. And so just as a woman now, like I'm not going to settle for less because I know how I should be treated because I had men in my life, and I still do have men in my life mm-hmm. who make sure I'm treated the best. Yeah. Like this is what I expect. You know, this is, these are my expectations. Um, just, just having those men see, seeing what hard work is, mm-hmm. seeing the man get up, provide for his family, um, feeding into his children, um, telling me that this is what you expect. This is what you should not take. And this is what you should take. Yeah. For me, it's important to have, to have that man there. Okay. Did no, you, did you have your father growing up? Yes, I did. I did. Well, well, I, I can say this. One piece of fish. I'm listening. I grew up, <laughs> I grew up in a, um, a a blended family. So my parents got divorced when I was um, six weeks old, yeah. and not six, a six weeks old baby. But um, my dad, even up until now, has been a major part of my life. They made sure they kept a great relationship. Yeah. I mean, a great friendship, and it helped that um, five years um, after the divorce, my mother got remarried to my stepdad, who was an amazing stepdad. Yeah. Um, you know, he was very strict. Um, but I didn't, I couldn't appreciate it until I got older, um, in that, but my dad, I saw him every other weekend, you know, and I had a great stepmom, and so that helped a lot, and it, 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 so that's another thing that when I say I've been the same since I was 10, it helped inform my standard and my palate for family, birthdays, just all of that, um, it really helped to, to, to shape that. So it's really important. I actually wrote an article for um, DFW Child Magazine about fatherlessness and, and what um, the psychological impact of that mm-hmm. and why um, young people need that. But I can I also wrote an article for Jet called Why I Forgave My Baby Daddy. Wait, wait, for Jet Magazine? What, yeah, for Jet Magazine. Where can we read that at? Um, you can read it online. You can Google um, why I forgave my baby daddy, Irena Ferguson. You can Google Jet <laughs> Ferguson, IranaFerguson.com. Irena it's up there. Um, and uh, so that, all that being said, for my daughter, my oldest daughter, who is not my husband's daughter, she's 17, she has autism, she's deaf, her dad was never in her life. And I did, I was okay. I was fine with that after a few years because mm-hmm. one, I moved away, but and I thought I was fine with it, and two, because um, I was able to have my freedom and do whatever I wanted to do without the input of him. However, I didn't realize until I heard a sermon a couple years ago that I was still holding on to something. And in that sermon, my pastor, um, Pastor T. Um, Torrey Roberts, out of out of L.A. One Church, L.A. Um, he said, one, he was talking about you lack nothing for that, but he also talked about three types of fathers. 
And there's two I remember distinctly. The middle one I don't remember. But the one type of father is the one that's there all the time. You know, the one never that had you, it. That you know, never you know. But then the the last type of father, the middle one, I don't remember as much. But the last type of father was the father who was never there. And you know what freed me? It freed me for my daughter, mm. not for me, because I had I left out of there bawling in such a sense of relief when he said, even the dad who was not there loves you. Even the dad who was not there made a decision. He made a decision that he was not good enough to be there. For but that's, ain't that hard, and so, though? It is, it, it, it's Man, hard, that's a hard but I'm going to send you the sermon, bro, because he preached it twice, two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. And I needed that for my, for my daughter's yeah. dad because I still held a little bit of, you rejected my daughter. Yeah. You didn't love her. I still held a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I did. But when he said that even, and then fast it's forward. It's true. Yeah, and fast forward. Now we have a, a, a decent relationship with him. I hadn't talked to him in like maybe like four or five years mm-hmm. or something or even longer. But Jason has a friendship with him and he calls once a month to check on Taylor. Um, he checks in now and then. He wants to make sure that she's well. He got to call on her birthday. You know, him and Jay, you know, will like, you know, talk, talk man to man bit. and have their own friendship. And, um, and so all that being said, like we can move on. But I just, I did feel like that's a huge part, and it and you feel some kind of way. And then, sorry, last oh, but not, last but not least, on the fatherhood. <laughs> no, people think and people see my dad, and he's a, a great man. He's a great professional. I give a lot of people. I say, hey, you want a great advice? You want that father figure? Call my dad. Yeah. Benny's awesome. However, he is not perfect. <laughs> and and ha ha, <laughs> you know, after eighteen, you realize your parents aren't perfect, yeah. and there oh is definite God, issues so... that I still have in relation to. So it may look good on paper that you see all these people with all these daddies, right. all these pictures, yeah. all these selfies. They lie. It is not perfect. All relationships have their stuff. Mother, so we yep. we come as adults, as big children, with fatherhood issues and mama issues. But I even think if you got an awesome mama, yeah, and I think that's important that you said that because. I was talking, I think it was last week on last week's podcast, and we were talking about nowadays, if a relationship goes bad, if even if you're dating somebody, we're done. Because, yeah. mm-hmm. excuse me, you can find somebody else. Yeah. Got apps. Ten years ago, we didn't have no, all of that. True. I even told her, we have a breakup, because apps wasn't out like this. <laughs> I was like, I'm winning in these streets. If this okay, doesn't okay. work. Yeah, you be now, yeah oh, I got a, a, I got a, a, a lot. She's professional woman I ever met. With the <laughs> professional emails. But I was no, thinking and I was like, what <laughs> is it that makes people think that, oh, we can leave? And I hear people be like, oh, well, I want what my mom and my dad had. And I'm thinking, you think they were perfect? Yeah. <laughs> Go ask them to be honest with you for one hour and ask them how they made it 35 years. Because they didn't make it by leaving mm-hmm. after somebody cheated or lied. Now, maybe continuous cheating. But, like, it may have been something where he was, whether he was an infidel from sex or conversation you know what i'm saying so it's one of those things i'm like it's true for her to say that because you you do need that change before we get ready to wrap it up i had a um we always talk about problems and i want to talk about solutions and i had i asked a few people about questions that they would ask a woman in reference to what advice would you give somebody about certain questions so the first one is what message do you have for women who continue to undercut other women to get ahead in their careers what what message would you say that you could do something different or you don't have to do this because we all can win. All that's of true. us. That, that's, that's my thing to know. We all can win. Cutting all her out us. is not going to make you get there any quicker. Because you got to take time to cut her out. So that's cutting out of the time. Time that you could be you know working on you again. Yep. So if y'all work together, y'all might be able to get through it quicker. So, we, I mean, we all can win. 
Uh-huh. And practice complimenting people. Yes. You know, I'm a natural. I was a cheerleader in high school. Yeah. I was a cheerleader in grammar school. I was a knight so since you was I was used six to years old. People up. I am used to cheering <laughs> for people. You know, I'm yeah. used to like whether we lose it, whether we down by yeah. twenty. When they when they don't win, oh yeah, I can y'all got a smile and, when, and, and everything. And when they do yeah. win, I can do a backflip. Yeah. Like <laughs> and so like and so that helped me because yeah. now it's like like I said like in this unless somebody has a nanny, I'm jealous of them. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> like it's only certain <laughs> things that I'm going to hate on. And I'm going to say I'm hating on you. I'm like, oh, I'm hating on you right now. But I think people can't deal with their own insecurities enough. And they find themselves being bullies in certain ways. And that actually makes them feel worse. Yeah. Because it's a double portion of this meanness. True. And, and, and so at the end of the day, just, just try to compliment people even when you don't mean it. Oh, I like those shoes. Oh, I. They need to start yeah. at the at the small. It's hard know. for people. It's hard for people to do that. But you like when when people compliment you. Yeah. So you know, I know people who don't even take way. compliments well. It's kind of like, hey, you look beautiful. Then say, huh? Okay. Like, well, like okay. thank you. I needed that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so the ne- the next one is a cliche question. It's just, what would you say to your fifteen or eighteen year old self? Where you're at now? Mm-hmm. What would you tell? I know me. I would have said, stay in school, and I would have said, find somebody who can mentor you. It's mentors are hard to come yes. by. Even as an adult, it's hard to find some. I'm looking for a mentor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. What would you say to your 15, 18 year old self, Miss Ballard? Don't get a credit card. Whew. Save your money. Shondo. <laughs> that was. <laughs> <Eat bye-bye. laughs> say no to those credit cards and definitely save your money. Yeah. Or, or invest. That's good. That's I just good. saw a girl uh, yeah. on Facebook today. She's a friend of mine and she. She said she always, she used to try to figure out how to save money each month. And she was like, it went back to her watching her grandma, I mean, her aunt, cutting out coupons and doing mm-hmm. this coupon shopping. And she literally lives off $100 a month on groceries. Wow. And when she sent, like, she sent pictures of everything and what she did. And I'm like, and I've seen people go in with a buggy full of stuff for like three grand and they get it down to 200. And I'm like, with coupons. Mm. And then I tried, I went and bought a paper on a Sunday. And by the time I got to the second page, it takes time though. Oh, you have to have patience, man. If you want a certain meat, you got to look for this. You may find it at Albertsons. Not I ain't got that kind of time. And you have to buy more than one paper. Yes. $8. And you have to read the fine print. Yes. I ain't got time for that. (laughs) It's real. It's you real. can hit me and say, oh, $8? I pay two fifty. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got a headache? Because I do. I'm done. No, so, sorry, but uh, what no. would you tell your 15, 18-year-old self? Um, I would tell myself to aim high. Yeah. You know, because my sister was so awesome, I ended up going to my first undergrad before I um, got pregnant with my daughter. was a decent school, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. I just took the first choice, you know, and that was a big mistake. I should have went away way earlier. I should have been five or six years ahead and that would have helped. Um, And sadly, I wouldn't have not had my daughter probably. So I guess everything is meant to be what it was and what it it is. However, I would say aim high, Mm -hmm. aim high. So even with you applying for that PhD program, you are crazy because I went for a PhD interview (laughs) for the guy, the the guy who I went to uh, interview with. I guess he was like, girl. You're too soon for this, but he, but he, he humored me, yeah. and now he, I still end up going to the school that I applied for, but yeah. with a different degree, and now he is, the, he'll be the provost of Northwestern. Okay, and so, oh, so big. sometimes like it's okay to just you know aim high, but yeah, I think yeah, that's good. I mean, my 18 year old self, I would probably honestly just say listen to my mom a little bit more, mm-hmm. and it sounds so small, but like she told me to not hang around a lot of people mm-hmm. that ended up dead in jail or shot. 
And I was out there with him for a while. I just got lucky. But it's like a lot of things. I wouldn't have hit my head. And I probably, where you said, I wish I would have did this four years ago. You too soon. I would have been the same way. Instead of 34 doing things, they would have been at 24. And, and I also, honestly, I probably would have said, try to reach out to my father more when I was younger. Because now mm. I don't care to. Mm. Once you get old enough and you kind of raise yourself to do yeah. things, you're like, eh, I'm good now. But at that age, I probably should have been trying to find ways to channel that anger to talk to him then. So what would you tell a woman? You always hear women say you, it's hard for women to have it all, the family and the career. So what would you tell a woman who wants to have it all, the career, the family, and just living her own life too? You're going to have to make some concessions and you're going to have to wait. You know, when I, when I got married, I thought. Some women are going to say, why wait? What? Well. Because it seemed like y'all are always waiting. This is true. I love that. I love that. I take that back. Wait on something. Make a choice. Mm. I have friends now who who are like you know freaking everywhere from Oxford to China to uh, you know three degrees MD MDiv who've been dating the same guy for ten years so that they can finish their MD. It was a choice. Yeah. I say two things: make the choice and be okay with it. And that's the hard part. And I just had to know. Like I have a three year old now who is like practically reading and, and just has a vocabulary like an adult yeah. and I can look back and say that's what I was doing for the last few years and now is my season to do my to thing do what you do. but I had to do my thing I had to keep like waiting and building in that zone yeah. and be okay with that because at so I thought when I got married like oh great this is it yeah I get to get everything yes sir <laughs> boss I was married now <laughs> do you see my ring I was married now dad and so you know but what really happened was that hey you're merging your life and you're making sacrifices and this other person is making huge sacrifices right because you mm. know and so and and that's a whole nother podcast yeah. about what that looks like in compromise yeah. and that's great so at the end of the day i say when you want to have it all just know it's going to be sacrifices and how, how you say the women had to leave their children and give away their children in that particular um, yeah. uh, 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 documentary in prison i was like crying leaving my seven month old just for this four hours yeah. of me, you know, yeah. and things to do me. And I'm like, I could only imagine what these choices are like. So at the end of the day, make a choice and be okay with your choices. And don't let any external factors, you know, tell you about those. Because I have girlfriends who are now, I'm like, girl, you've been away from home for 14 hours. Your husband ain't put up put a APB out on you, you know. And I'm like, I could never be, like, yeah. away that long. Um, I want to get back. And so at the end of the day, you know, I think that's the that's the hard part, the juggling part. There is no work life balance. Yeah. There is no perfect balance. You just have you to. You got to juggle you know, and make it work. Make it work. So, what would you tell a person who wants it all? You seem like the type that wants it all. I do. <laughs> Eventually, well, you know, when is that time? But mm -hmm. like now, I'm a free spirit. I yeah. like to travel and I like to do things. And do it, bro. you do know, it. I'm about to be 30, and I have friends that have kids, and <laughs> they're like. Oh, when are you gonna have kids? I'm like, when I get married yeah. and the time yeah. is right. right. Like, I'm yep. not, yes, I'm not yes. trying to rush anything right now because I feel like when you rush it and you get it, you don't enjoy it, and you don't do it for the right reasons. Yeah. So many people, even with marriage, you were talking about marriage, and I'm like, so so many people get married for money and to take a financial strain off themselves, you know, living together, so on and so forth. And I understand getting married for love too, but I think you need to have. A couple of things yeah. that you, I tell people all the time, don't ever get married. If people, I see people get proposed in like five months. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to spend Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, your birthday, and a vacation with you. <laughs> yeah. And you need to do vice versa with me and my family. I always say at least two years. And the reason I say two years, you need, you need time for that, 
the makeup to come off. Mm-hmm. For them to be real, to make them mad and see how they respond in anger. For you to fall and see if they even have the audacity to ask if you need anything or pick yeah. you up. You need to know these things. Because a lot of people get married so quick and it's like five years, two years, three years. What? How much time did you take together? Like, I didn't know you were this person. Yeah. You didn't give me that time, time to show Yeah, you. to show it. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's there. Yeah. It's just like I tell people, anybody on the podcast, if me and her stopped talking, even before I told that when we first started dating, I am a dick. I am a jerk. <laughs> And and more so because I'm blunt. And a lot of people, they don't really like to... I'm the type of person where if somebody say, well, I was supposed to be here at 6.15, they'd be like, oh, well, I got there at 6.30, but I was downstairs. No, motherfucker, you was late. <laughs> it ain't no, I was there. No. You know, and people or people like, no, not not for that. that but that but you know how people where they be yeah. like, oh, well... I didn't mean to say it like, well, that's what you meant, though. Yeah, like, people true. don't like to, to hear. Yeah, or if you say, oh, you're selfish, and they're like, well, I'm not selfish. Well, let me explain to you how you are. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't think. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to take it and be able to say, maybe I am this way. So for me, I'm get, I get called those names all the time because I'm pretty straightforward and honest. And I'm transparent with myself. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm not the dude that looks in the mirror and be like, yeah, I look like Morris Chestnut when I know I look like David Allen Greer. Oh, you know stop. what I'm saying? Like stop. it ain't gonna be them lies. <laughs> so I'm gonna be able to give you that same. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give you that same truth. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's what I would go. Uh, last question. Don't have one. I just read the same thing. But I did want to ask you with all the with the political climate. Before we close, mm-hmm. how do you feel like our culture, black people as a whole, have grown? I feel like we've came together a lot in the last ten years, as well as we talked about elitism and all of this stuff. I feel like that whole Obama, Obama administration, it brought people together. Mm-hmm. We immediately came to protect him, even though a lot of lives were lost and casualties of war. That's what I call it, because those lives had to be lost for us to come together and rally. Black Lives Matter wouldn't be mm-hmm. nothing. All these black T-shirts and companies who, you know, independent businesses are now building and creating paraphernalia for us to wear. And yeah. It wouldn't have been none of that mm-hmm. to have the conversations the way we do have them. Natural hair. That wasn't big 10 years ago. No, it's true. When girls first started wearing their hair natural and doing the, like, fro, people was like, I ain't girl, I ain't doing that. And it's like the movement came and certain deaths started hurting them and everybody was being touched by it. And it's like the culture is changing. So from you guys' perspective or you ladies' perspective, how do you feel like the culture has gotten better the last 10 years? Um, I think, well, I have to think about 10 years ago. I was, like, in high school. Uh, but... As I've become a woman Mm -hmm. and I'm more interested in who I am and um, supporting other people, I think that it has grown drastically. And I don't think back then you had the whole hashtag support black businesses. And now you see that a lot. Like like you were saying, a lot of black people are becoming entrepreneurs. Or I, I won't say a lot are becoming entrepreneurs, but they're more open with becoming entrepreneurs and we're trying to support each other more. Yeah. And I guess sometimes you have to have bad things to happen for good things to come out yeah, of it. That's true. Um, I like the change. I think that as time goes on, we'll, we'll, we, we will eventually be at the top of the list. Like nobody's going to be able to stop us. Black people. Yes. Black people. I feel like we're at the top of the list now, but I think I, I we'll be think, respected more. Well, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Cause I tell people all the time, I'm like, have you ever seen, have you ever, not to be funny. We talked about sports before we got on the podcast before we, I'm, I'm going over, but before we get off, we were talking about sports and I think all the time, take black people out of sports, yeah. not even just sports, take black people out of certain businesses. It's a lot of stuff that wouldn't be here. 
That that might um, reminds me of uh, unseasoned chicken a, is what the culture of America would be. I love it. I, I love it. It was like a meme, and um, oh, it was talking about it was a, a thing on Twitter, and some white person was like, "Well, why can't white people get um, a, a Black History a, Month type a White thing? History Month?" And then this Y'all black girl wrote an article, and she was like, "Okay, give them give them their White History Month, yeah. you know, and just <laughs> let them get that one month, and then for the rest of the year, let it y'all be can't say shitos n- about being white Shit because else. that's what we have for to y'all go who can't You know, we yeah. only get twenty eight days. Yeah, twenty seven you know, on the leap other, year. Right, all the other months have thirty or thirty one days. We only get twenty eight days to and they to throw focus some of the on, most prominent things. Yeah, Oscars, the Super Bowl." Uh, it was some another show like the I forgot, but they basically put uh, All Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. They basically put all these monumental type events on during that month. Yeah, and I ain't gonna lie, like if it wasn't for social media and looking and seeing somebody posting what Black people have created each day, it's so easy to forget about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. forget about your ancestors, where you came from, and even the month and Valentine's Day. That's what it is. So I I, I don't know. Where can they find you at on social media if they wanted to find you, Miss Arena, or find those articles you've written for Jet and a couple other places? Um, social media, um, Twitter, a Good Life Raina, um, and and for my website, ErainaFerguson.com. Um, and Raina E R E E R A I N A Ferguson F E R G U S O N dot com, and on Facebook. They can just look me up, you know, under Urena Ferguson. Um, I also just founded a tech startup um, called Good Life mm-hmm. for parents of children with special needs, which I'm excited about because I'm headed to South by Southwest. And it's basically a resource hub for parents of children with special needs. And they can find that at um, uh, mygoodlifenow.org. Are you going to um, be there the whole weekend? You know what? I'm going to be there for two days. I'm, um, I, and it's funny because Saturday tomorrow I have this this event um, for young for young women here in Dallas at um, at Townview High School. Uh, my alumni group is sponsoring. But um, but yeah, a lot of people, a lot of awesome stuff is happening on Saturday. Um, and I was just telling the ladies, I just wrote an article. I just got to um, interview uh, Warren G. Okay. Uh, which was amazing. And um, so that article just posted on Ebony dot com today. So. It's a lot of good stuff happening, um, but uh, I guess I guess my parting thing around the race piece would be, um, you know, I emailed a woman about some sponsorship things, and she was being very, uh, what you know, very passive aggressive in her tone towards yeah. me in the email, and I could just tell. You know, you give people the oh, break, yeah, you, you give them the break again, yeah. you give them the break again, and I just went ahead and I nicely checked her. I gave her the definition of microaggression. So that she can be educated. And so that's my parting thing about race. <laughs> Just educate people, yeah. you know. And when you know they're doing stuff out of love, like you're a coworker, mm-hmm. she was just, she just yeah. loves you. Yeah. She just know you're beautiful and she want to know more about you. You don't, you don't have to come. You don't have yeah. to clap back at her. Because yeah. she's right. doing it out of sort of like yeah. love and ignorance. She doesn't understand. That's different mm-hmm. than somebody doing it meanly. You yeah. know that mean yeah. coworker who just like. Oh, that smells different. Mm-hmm. Then you yeah. know we could try not to kick her. Man, throat. if black, pe- if black people, <laughs> but, just and then, but you could just, yeah. you could just, we could find another way to deal with yeah. her. Well, how, you know, we had a lady. We were looking at a house, and a lady was like, "Yeah, I had the thickest, just nastiest hair. My hair was nasty." And here, my girlfriend and I are with like natural hair, and she was basically equating. You know, that was her way yeah. of saying that. But she was also trying to see if she pierced anything yeah. so that we wouldn't come back for the house. Yeah. That's my house. 
that four thousand square foot house in my house. But so you know, I ain't gonna uh, let nobody take my you know, yeah. so, so people will try to come for comfy, you yeah. to test you and you just gotta stay stone folks. Cause excuse, I come for people excuse too. Excuse so my I, language, but she stepped over you, bitch. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. And it's so funny. And then we'll get to, we'll actually, you know what? Before I do it, let them know where they can find you at on social media. Cause I have yet to find you still oh, outside of yeah. Facebook. I you think. probably can't find me. And that's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. I think because that social media, she sent it to me. Yeah, I, you <laughs> know, I, like, I have to be and very low key. And that's because fine. once again, I can't let everybody in my space. That's very true. But I will give you my personal okay. information for social media. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, but come to, come to the event and then yeah. she'll tell yeah. you. Come to there the event and she'll tell you. And the event they're talking about let me pull it up that's what i was about to read so these two ladies will be a part of the reality is presents uh let me go back the reality is presents a woman's work celebrating women's history month at wild detectives and that's at 314 west 8th street in dallas texas at 6 30 p.m on the day of is it march 24th yes march 24th at 6 30 p.m so basically like the first hour to just be mixing and mingling maybe if you come out early enough you can meet the ladies and then we'll get into uh the event that night it's funny that you say that I keep saying before we get off, we're going to wrap it up. You know, black people, you yeah, exactly. Wrap it up five, yeah, five times. It's like a pastor preaching. <laughs> but when she said that about like educating them, mm-hmm. it's so funny. I was, I was doing an audit the other day with one of my coworkers and she's a white lady, older white lady, about 60 years old. So we were at a, a property and we were talking to one of the managers there and the manager is black. And I don't know how we got on race, but she likes to talk about race, you know, and she brought up something. And I, I think we, st- I was telling her about things that, no, she said, I live in a bubble. She's like, I live in the Disney bubble. And I said, yeah, it's, it's, I can believe that. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, white people don't have to go through the same things that people of color or minorities go through. And I was telling her about like just living situations because I work with properties, like luxury apartment properties. So they were talking about how expensive this property was. So we were, I was talking and I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't see a lot of black people around here. And she's like, why do you think that is? I was like, well, most black people, just like schools, if you go to get recruited, you you really start feeling comfortable when you see a few people that look like you. Mm-hmm. I was like, they make sure they white out this shit to where we don't come or they'll raise the prices up. Yeah. When she goes with me to look for apartments, even this place, I was like, say we're friends because they're going to jack those prices up mm-hmm. because they want to tell us we don't want you here without saying mm-hmm. we don't want you here. So it's one, like you said, catching those undertones. But also educating them. So I was telling her, I was like, yeah, uh, it's, I said, white folks got fight or flight. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, in estate areas, and residential areas that are prominent, like uh, the North Park area or University Park. I was like, if, uh, if three black people moved in on one block, some of those white folks are going to move. Because for one, they always want to feel like they're better or they should be paying something or we shouldn't be able to afford what they're affording. You know what I'm saying? I was like, these things happen. Trump, you know, like Trump not wanting them, the uh, black people to live in the buildings. And she was like, what this happened? I'm like, yes, this happened. But listen though, when you live in a bubble and none of these things affect you, we pay attention to what happens in Ferguson. We pay attention to what Trump says. Sometimes we pay attention to anything that happens in the urban community, even if we made it out. And, and 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 that's and that's what that's where it comes to knowing who you are. Yeah. Even in our neighborhood, we live in a townhouse, you know, neighborhood, and like a couple, a few blocks over, like are even bigger houses, yeah. whatever. But the block around us, and we specifically prayed to ask God, especially because I'm like, oh, time my bow tie, moving to Texas for But I'm like, okay, put me on a block. <laughs> Put me on a block where people love me. Yeah. That I want it. Yeah. So I got to God. Well, I saw my Latina neighbor. Yeah. 
Sometimes a person will speak, or sometimes they won't. Yeah. And one lady, I spoke to her, and she like snuffed me, and I'm like, "You are 30 seconds from a trailer park." Like, and meaning, meaning in her lifetime. Yeah, and, yeah. You will live and die here, yeah. but I'm going I'm to that 4,000 yeah. square foot. I'm going you see over what to I'm the saying? next this block. This is yeah. an in between for me. Yeah. But you're upset because you think that all of a sudden there goes a neighborhood because yeah. we're here. Yeah. And, and this, and you, like I said, you live in a trailer home your whole life. Get but the, and the funny thing about it is they, <laughs> they truly do allow media, they, they truly do allow the media and movies to depict who we are. Yeah. Because if you, if most of them, they're raised in an all white school, they go to an all white church. They shop in the area where it's probably just them. So when you see or work, the, the first time they probably really experienced us, if they haven't dated one of us, which they, most of them don't, is at work. Yeah. So when you're at work, you've already seen how we are at work on television, which is angry or passive aggressive, or we'll beat your ass if you come at us wrong. <laughs> Which we will, but we keep. We always keep that's it deep. Yeah, that's not the first thing, yeah, that, the first thing that comes to mind. You, only you, you got to push. Tested. Yeah, you got to yeah. push it to that level, and yeah. we keep all of that pushed down inside of us. So it's like sometimes we don't even really get a chance to. You never really even get to know who I am because you already came in with a stereotype or a preconceived notion of who you thought I was, and you had no idea. And I know that happens to me a lot because they'll see my tattoos, they'll see my hair, and then they'll be like, "Oh, you're very articulate. Oh, you graduated." Oh, you're trying to get into Syracuse, and I'm like, yeah. And and, and unless you tell them, yeah, you know, because I I'm, I'm I'm with the Cowboys, and they're gonna be like, oh my god, we right. love you it's so changed. much. Oh my god, they oh my god, take us to I had two house white right women try to get at me one time. I got a million stories, <laughs> but I remember being at a bar and it was two white women trying to get at me, and they made the girl bartender bring me their cards, and I was like, okay, this came from these women. It's like, yeah, they said, who do you play for? I was like, I don't play for nobody, but tell them I got a 06 Honda, and if you send this back with my number and they still want to talk, then tell them we got okay. a deal. If they, ain't, if they still don't want to talk, then we ain't got no deal. Because you only want me because what you thought yeah. I had. So a lot of black people, before we wrap this up, black dudes out here, don't just be thinking all these white women just want you for you. Uh. Just like you may be wanting them for some things, they look at you as a fetish too. Get out. Everything that we're talking about is in this movie. He got to watch it. I'm just going to say gonna this gonna piece. I'm going to read my Bible and then I'm going to see it. I, I want to say this piece. In the, in the movie, mm-hmm. um, like towards the like the middle part of the movie, I'm going to give up the movie. If you haven't seen it, I'm about to give I'm you going a to snippet see it tomorrow, of the movie. So but in, the, in a portion of the movie, he's captured by the white people, whatever. It's this white man that buys him, yeah. basically. And he tells him, you know, your experience was... And, based off what people said to you was because you had things that they wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So either you had the muscles that they wanted and they were impressed by that. So they made a comment yeah. or you had the so eyes true. that they wanted. And so they said something to you, yeah. um, and make that comment. And so for, for me, sometimes you can't take everything personal because yeah. sometimes when people say something to you is because they wish they had it. They envy And they don't care about the color of your skin sometimes. Mm-hmm. They just That's wish real. they had whatever it is that you have. That you have, yeah. So I hear that a lot, too, from different Black people are beautiful. Yes, and, they are. And, and they got to understand their power. Just, like, sometimes it's just your energy. Yeah. Sometimes that they just, sometimes they just, they see the love in you, especially if yeah. you, like, are having a good week and yeah. you just mm-hmm. exude in love. Yeah. They want to be around you. They and if you just carry yourself different, because I know most white women, I've dated white women before, but it's like most white women that I'm cool with and I even talk to now, I always be like, what attracts you to black men? Mm-hmm. 
And they always say it's the way they carry themselves, the way they walk, the way they move. And yeah, it's just one of them things. But I, just, I ain't going to be nobody's fetish. Oh, yeah. Now, you That's, caught me at 26, I was. You know, I was just getting it to get it. You, <laughs> you know, know what? I'm, what? I I'm fine. Like I love you know, I get it to get it, and, you know, we're going to move on. But, hey, man, you can follow me on uh, Anthony Roberts on Facebook, Sir Robert Poe on Instagram. Follow us at The Reality Is on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Anchor. Keep up with all things The Reality Is by going to www.thatherealityis.com. Be sure to email us topics, or if you want to be on the podcast, at info at therealityis.com. And always remember, man, inhale courage to exhale success. Appreciate you ladies for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man, this is the end of the episode 104. I hope you guys enjoyed. I wanted to give a little rendition and shout out to Biggie Smalls. 20 years he's been dead. We all know the music game would be different if he was still here. So here go my rendition for More Money, More Problems, the May segment. This is my favorite part. Hey, hey. Now, who's hot? Who's not? Tell me who rock, who sell out in stores. You tell me who flopped, who copped the blue drop, who jewels got robbed, who mostly goaded down to the two sock. The same old pimp, mace, you know ain't nothing changed but my limp. Can't top, still I see my name on the blimp. Guarantee a million sales, pulling all the love. You don't believe in a hollow world, nigga, double up. We don't play around, it's a bed, lay it down. Nigga didn't know me 91, bet they know me now. I'm the young Harlem nigga with the golden sound. Can't no PhD, niggas hold me down. Cooter, school me to the game, now I know my duty. Stay humble, stay low, blow like hootie. True pimp, never spend the dough on the booty. And then they yell, there go mace, there go your cutie. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey, man, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, RIP to Biggie Smalls, one of the best to ever do it. And we'll catch y'all on next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the reality is we gon' give you the feel. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.